we continue to live under the dictatorship. People tortured every day, executed and separated families. Why Trump not uh, mentioned about the, our human rights issues and also not only Trump, that is all over the countries, why they always silent? Ji Hyun Park grew up in North Hamyang province, near North Korea's border with China. It was a hard life, but she trusted the Kim regime. Famine in the 1990s killed that trust. She tried to escape, twice. Eventually she got out. That makes Ji Hyun one of the lucky ones. Thousands of others are still slaving away in labor camps. The UN says 10 million people in North Korea don't have enough food. And while the world watches North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and U.S. President Donald Trump go from enemies Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself to friends He wrote me beautiful letters and they're great letters We fell in love Jihyun Park and North Koreans who suffered under Kim's regime are wondering when is anyone going to ask about human rights I'm Imtiaz Tayeb And the take this week is about Ji Hyun's story, in her own words. And just a heads up, it deals with some pretty difficult subject matter. But first, we want to introduce you to James Bays. He covers diplomacy for Al Jazeera, which means he spent a lot of time covering North Korea. I don't think I have ever seen a diplomatic process as unusual as this one. With President Trump... It's the Twitter. You never know at what time of day there might be breaking news. Nothing like having a nice private dinner. We managed to catch James last week, just a day after the abrupt end of Kim and Trump's summit in Hanoi in Vietnam. Everybody having a good time? Yes, sir. Nuclear weapons are what keeps North Korea in the headlines. It's all Trump and Kim talked about, really. Human rights didn't come up. Remember, this is a man who runs gulags, a repressive state, a dictatorial leader. And yet you've got the US president laughing and joking with him. Human rights have not been mentioned. The humanitarian situation has not really been mentioned. Now, there is a reason for that. If you want to do this sort of top-level diplomacy, trying to flatter Kim uh, and... Um, get Trump to persuade Kim to go further than Kim really would like, then you don't want to mention things that potentially Kim could be found guilty of in the International Criminal Court, for example. James is going to stick with us throughout the episode to help us understand what's happening in North Korea today and how it affects ordinary people. For the past seven years, Kim has run, arguably, the most isolated, secretive country in the world. And last week, for the first time ever, he was answering questions from foreign journalists. Many people saw this as something to celebrate. Ji Hyun Park did not. Kim Jong-un is murder. He's murder and dictator. But nowadays politics, they also holding this murder's hand. Now, politicians, she says, are holding the murderer's hand. Ji Hyun lives in Manchester, in the United Kingdom now. It's rare to hear accounts about life in North Korea that are as complete as Ji Hyun's, because so few people make it out. 
She lived most of her life in a regimented town where every person, every day, woke up to the same alarm. Uh, my hometown is in Cheongjin. I usually wake up in the morning. In summer, we half past four, and the winter is 5 a.m. That is not only wake up for myself, that is wake up all over the country at the same time. In early morning, in an apartment, the captain is shouted to us, wake up, wake up, and then come out cleaning, cleaning. Ji Hyun says every apartment complex in North Korea had a captain like this one. He woke them up, ordered them around, and kept tabs on what they did every day. After cleaning, the children walked to class together. Ji Hyun says they started the day reciting speeches by Supreme Leader Kim Il-sung, the current leader's grandfather. The day ended with hard labor. After school, we also work in farm or cleaning road, uh, make buildings or make roadway. As a child, Ji Hyun sat through the propaganda. Later, as a teacher, she spread it herself. She says even simple math lessons were used to teach children to hate the U.S. Example is uh, 10 uh, American soldiers, but uh, we killed the five American soldiers, so how many left? So not only mass uh, skills teaching to them, we teaching together is hated enemies, countries, and also politics, respected Kim families. So school life is always brainwashed. Brainwashing. That's what she calls it now. But at the time, she didn't think of it like that. She was genuinely loyal to the government because she was raised that way, at school, in university, and at home. My father also talked to us, uh, respected the Kim family, and uh, he was proud of himself because he was a work party member. That pride Ji Hyung talks about extends far beyond just her family. Welcome to Pyongyang, certainly the cleanest, most orderly, and probably the most controlled place I've ever visited. This is a report from James Bays in April last year. It seems the leader takes direct interest in many areas of national life. At the plant producing the Korean national dish, kimchi made of pickled vegetables, we were told the air conditioning system was supervised by the supreme leader. And Okay, so you're in Pyongyang, right before the first meeting between Kim Jong-un and Trump. What was that like? I've traveled quite a lot over the years to countries that have governments or regimes that do not have any freedom. So there are parallels with Saddam's Iraq or Gaddafi's Libya. But I've never really felt a personality cult like there is in North Korea, where there seems to be devotion, real devotion. In Iraq, people used to quietly come up to me and whisper very, very quietly because there were rumblings everywhere else. North Korea, there were not. You were on a fairly guided tour, for lack of a better word, uh, of Pyongyang, the capital. Give us a sense of just how controlled your visit was and what you were allowed to see, and then I suppose what you weren't allowed to see. Totally controlled. Taken to a hotel from the airport, um, 
and never allowed to leave the hotel without getting on the bus, which was prearranged with the minders. And there were three or four minders with the group of journalists that I was traveling with. We've been taken to a department store in the center of Pyongyang. Despite the international sanctions, the shelves here are full. Um, and we were never allowed to leave the group. You couldn't go for a walk, get some fresh air on your own, even if you didn't take your camera with you. I'm assuming someone was probably listening to my conversations and my phone calls. Total control. Total control. That's the way North Korea has always done things. And it worked on Ji Hyun's family too. But some experiences are enough to shake even the most devout Kim supporters. In North Korea, the start of farming in early 1990s. So that time is North Korea companies all shut down and the government stopped the distributions and they didn't give to us any salaries. The famine of the 1990s was severe. Some estimates say hundreds of thousands of people died. Ji Hyun says it was more like millions. So uh, this time is 3 million people died of starvation, but the uh, government never cared about the people. I saw the many starvation people in a street, train stations, in a market. But I thought that Kim family solved this problem and then we life is happiness. But in 1996, my uncle died of starvation. The famine and her uncle's death led her and her father to lose faith in the North Korean government. A year later, her younger brother left his military post because soldiers were starving too. It wasn't safe for him to stay in the country anymore. And my father's last wish was saved my younger brother. They fled in 1998 by crossing the border into China. It was February. It was really cold winter. So me and the younger brother left North Korea midnight to 2 a.m. And we together holding the hand and ran out. So we almost arrived in Chinese area. And then in North Korea side, it's military soldiers. They shouted to us, stop, stop, stop. Ji Hyun and her brother made it into China. But for North Korean refugees, that's not enough. Because if they're caught by Chinese officials or spies, they'll be sent right back to North Korea. And not just back to famine and propaganda, but to labor camps and maybe execution. One of the interesting things, of course, about the defectors is that in many ways they don't know what's on the outside when they leave. And if you leave North Korea, you're in real trouble if you come back. So just the process of leaving, even though you might be doing it for economic reasons, makes you a refugee because you're. if you were to come back or anyone catches you, then the consequences for your crime if you are caught are dreadful. Not long after they left North Korea, Ji Hyun's brother was caught. It's been 20 years and she still has no idea what happened to him. She doesn't know what happened to her father either. Ji Hyun ended up getting trafficked in China, one of untold hundreds 
maybe even thousands of women. A Chinese man bought her for about $650. He raped her regularly. For the next six years, she says she worked from dawn until dusk and was never paid. She told us she thought about suicide. But one day, I found out that I was pregnant. I thought that's hope. This child is my last family, and this child maybe gave me hope and dreams. So I kept my child. The UN estimates that in 2014, 20,000 children of North Korean women were living in China. It's tried to get more information to help them. China refuses to give access. When her son was five years old, Chinese authorities found out about Ji Hyun and sent her back to North Korea. But not before she had to make an excruciating choice. My son was born in China, so they uh, gave to them chance to stay in China or uh, with uh, your mom to uh, North Korea. But I said that I alone back to North Korea because I already saw many children uh, died of starvation in North Korea. So that's why I left him in alone in China and I alone back to North Korea. That must have been such an agonizing decision to have to make, though, uh, to leave your child behind, to be given the choice to, to either leave him in China or, or take him to North Korea. Yes, yeah, terrible. It's really painful to us because I was mother. I am mother. And uh, my son is my last family. So I didn't know that if I send back to North Korea and what happened to my son. Maybe this family is selling him, or maybe I died in prison. I can't see my son again. So that is really, really difficult and really hard for me. But China is better than North Korea. He's not stronger, and his life is maybe safe, safer than in North Korea. Her son stayed with his father, Ji Hyun's rapist. She ended up in Chongjin labor camp in the province where she grew up. The latest estimate from the UN says that 120,000 North Koreans are living in labor camps like the one Ji Hyun was in. Again, that's guesswork. The few stories we hear from survivors are all similar. Hard labor and even harder living conditions. Ji Hyun said they farmed without shoes, were beaten, kicked, tortured, if they worked too slowly, slept and showered in unhygienic, overcrowded rooms. Disease festered. One day I woke up and my leg was swollen. And the day after, it's some yellow disgusting waters come out of my leg. And my temperature was 39 or 40 degrees. But the guide never gave to me any medicines. Uh, some bugs came to uh, my leg. Then after, the guide told me that you cannot die in a camp. You died outside the camp and get out. So they released me. So that's why I only stayed the uh, labor camp in six months. 
International scrutiny is what ultimately saved Ji Hyun. She says the guards didn't want her adding to the prison's death toll. That's why she was released. She got better, but North Korean police were watching and ready to return her to the camp. So she escaped instead, back into China. In 2005, she found her son in his father's home, malnourished and dirty, but alive. She said they tried to run to South Korea and failed, tried to run to Mongolia and failed. Finally, the UN helped Ji Hyun and her son seek asylum in 2008. So they asked me, which country do you want to go? South Korea, America, or European countries? I knew that is, uh, England people, they money is always wearing a hat, is gentleman, and women is always wearing the dress, uh, ladies. So that is look like a romantic country for me. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, so that's why I chose England. Ji Hyun fell in love and had two more children. Her first son is almost 20 now, and she works as an activist raising awareness about human rights in North Korea. One day, we had a dinner with my children, and my children talked about their school life and my son smiling. So when I saw my son's smiling face, I cried. I didn't know why I cried, but that is my personal emotion, is happiness with my family. North Korean people, they still don't know what's happiness. But politics always talked about the regime survivors. They not talked about the North Korean human rights, North Korean people, President Trump, he already understood North Korea human rights issues, but he never mentioned these issues. And he always said that I love this rocket man and we are happy conversations. I really angry to that. Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un have met twice now, face to face. And even though talks in Hanoi ended without a deal, Trump seems determined to make things work. He insists the two leaders are still on good terms. And frankly, I think we'll end up being very good friends with Chairman Kim and with North Korea. And I think they have tremendous potential. I've been telling everybody. He's also agreed to end large joint military exercises with South Korea. Trump's been criticized at home for being too friendly with Kim and too forgiving of North Korea's dismal human rights record. There's a bipartisan consensus in the Congress that supports human rights as a core part of U.S. foreign policy. It's Donald Trump that's out of step with uh, the American people on this. And how's this warming relationship being seen in North Korea? It's clear that they've really had to do quite a pivot in recent months. When I was there in Pyongyang in April, people I spoke to all spoke about how much they hated the U.S. and President Trump. Yeah, I hate American imperialism. All the Korean people hate at the President Trump. Every Korean gets furious when we hear what Trump says. He threatens to annihilate the entire Korean nation. Is he even a human? He is a wolf. Somehow that narrative that had existed about Trump since he came into office, but had ex actually existed since 
the creation of North Korea since the Korean War, which started in 1950, had to be turned around in a very, very short period. They're certainly not saying that North Korea and the US are great friends, but they are being, or have been, somewhat positive about the possibility of this diplomacy. Diplomatic strides, maybe. But human rights aren't even coming up in these talks. North Koreans are still suffering. Jihyun has been in England for 11 years now, but she's still haunted by her past. I have many, many nightest bad dreams. And the most terrible dream is when I worked in labor camp and also separated my son. But it is only my dreams, but that is real life North Korean people. They separated family members and they always hunger. So my dream is my North Korean people life is the same as me one day and they also have families the same dinner table. That is my dream and my hope. If the aborted summit between the U.S. and North Korea represented a setback, we got news of a second one this week. Satellite images show new construction work on a North Korean missile site, one of the sites the government said it would shut down. Trump says he'd be very disappointed if it proves to be true. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey with Morgan Waters, Jasmine Bayumi, Dina Kispe, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, and me, Imtiaz Tayeb. Ian Koss was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is the social media producer. Graylin Bashir is the show's lead producer. Special thanks to Jihyun Park, James Bays, Ji Seong Ho, Tesanka Sriupala, Lucen Kim, Joel Lawrence, and Matt East. We'll be back next week.